This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So this segment is all about debt problems, from something as serious, and man, this is serious, when your bank account gets frozen, to maybe you've got an old debt that's kicking around and you haven't done anything about it. This segment is all about the resources available to you. And Blair, of course, president of BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees, Sands & Associates, no stranger to questions from people facing a debt problem or an outright emergency. So Blair, can you walk us through some high or some common high stress debt scenarios and what kind of resources uh, Sands and Associates have? So I'm, I was thinking further. So what's the first thing you generally say to someone with a debt problem or a real urgent situation who has contacted you for advice? I bet you've got a, a series of things that you go through right off the bat to see where they are. Well, absolutely, Elaine. I think the, the first thing to really let people know, and you know, almost in these words, is that they've come to the right place. So if you're finding yourself in a tough, unmanageable situation with your debts, reaching out to a licensed insolvency trustee is absolutely the best thing you could be doing for your financial situation, your financial health. Not going to cost you anything. It's fully confidential, and you're dealing with the most qualified professional to help you. So the first thing is just to let people know that, yes, they're with the right person that can help them with their debts. But also it's to say there's a solution to every debt problem. So it's not, you know, this is what inspires me as a trustee, is there's no situations that we can't make better. So often, you know, medical professionals, they, they you know, put all of their best efforts and the patient just may not make it. Uh, as a debt health professional, you know, the law is very clear, the rules are very clear. And if someone, you know, comes in and is completely honest and straightforward with us and we're the same in, in reverse, there's just a wonderful debt resolution option that usually can emerge and the person can feel very proud that, you know, they saw the right professional, they faced things head on, they ended up with a much better tomorrow. Uh, what people need to understand as well is they often come in and they're very ashamed about the circumstances that got them there and they're worried that they're going to be judged. And absolutely at Sands and Associates, we believe our role is not to make anybody feel worse than they already do. You know, usually the collection agents have done a great job of, of belittling folks and, and beating them down. Um, our job is not to judge, but to help people understand what they can do to get back into control, uh, to have a better tomorrow, to get out from under uh, the yoke of unmanageable debt that might have just sapped out, you know, literally their, their life force and sometimes their will to live. They can just lose all sense of hope uh, when they feel just buried by debt. I was surprised, or not surprised, but just saddened, I guess, that one of the most common um, situations that people find themselves in is a creditor is threatening to garnish their wages. Yeah, Elaine, that's probably the one that sends people running through our doors or our proverbial doors these days more so than anything else, uh, because what that means as a wage garnishment means that after a court application, a creditor is able to take money from your wages, from your bank account, uh, or from any other income sources. Uh, so once the creditor is applied to court, it usually doesn't happen overnight. They can't just start taking taking money right away. But there is one common exception to that, and that's Canada Revenue Agency, and they don't need a 
court order. So sometimes people can get quite surprised by suddenly having a wage garnishment from Canada Revenue Agency. Oftentimes, if it's from a typical creditor like a bank or uh, you know a pay lender or things like that, there's more of a warning because they had to be served with legal documents. Uh, but that's a hugely concerning uh, type of situation because a lot of people, you know, especially in BC with the cost of living so high, you know, they're barely making ends meet with their full paycheck and with the wage garnishment. You know, quite often it's up to 30% of their wages is going to be paid directly to the person who is owed the money, whether again a bank or whether it's Canada Revenue Agency. Uh, and there's nothing the individual can do. There's nothing the employer can do to stop that garnishment unless they get the protection from a licensed insolvency trustee. So having a wage garnishment, hugely uh, concerning situation. It's something that people generally, again, run, not walk, to see a licensed insolvency trustee to deal with. And then your second one, that uh, the, 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 a person's bank account is frozen. Oh, my gosh, that must be just horrific for people. Well, exactly right, Elaine. And sometimes, you know, there's a couple different ways your bank account can, can be frozen. You know, sometimes um, it's from your bank that you're dealing with. Let's say you've got a credit card account at Bank A, uh, and then you have some money in, in your savings account also at Bank A, and then you stop paying your credit card account. You couldn't make a payment for a couple of months. Well, and then suddenly they go into your account and they scoop out all the money and maybe they lock the account at the same time. And when you look into it, your cardholder agreement and everything you've signed with the bank, you see they actually have every right to do so. There's what's called the right of offset. So if you owe a bank money, um, you don't make payments as according to the agreement, they have the right to go into any assets you hold with that bank, like a savings account or checking account, uh, and take the money and perhaps lock the account at the same time. So you know, your solution to that is anybody who's listened to this show uh, for any length of time, we always advise people to always bank where you don't owe any money. So never get a credit card from your normal daily bank. The banks really want you to wrap everything up under one roof, but there's a reason for that is it makes it easier for them, but it puts you at more risk. But now your bank account can also get frozen from Canada Revenue Agency. And sometimes they'll just freeze the amount that's in there and not take the funds. Sometimes they'll take the funds. Um, but oftentimes that's just to get your attention. So where I see bank account freezes most often um, is when someone has gotten multiple years behind on taxes. Maybe they're self-employed. They're not remitting or filing GST. And CRA has exhausted all the methods of phone calls and letters. They say, well, we're going to get this person's attention by freezing their bank account. And sometimes if you deal directly with CRA, you phone them and say, okay, I'll get this filed by, by X date and you actually make good on that, they'll often unfreeze your bank account. Um, again, a trustee can also assist, but sometimes with CRA, it's more of a compliance thing than it is just for payment. That uh, right of offset, I think, is so important, Blair. I know you've mentioned it so many times about not having a credit card with the same bank. Uh, such, mm -hmm. such a good, good advice, and and uh, oh, it can, it could, it would uh, save a lot of heartache at the end of the day for folks. So, um, can we talk about if you're unsuccessful or you're still facing the CRA garnishment, short of leaving your job? Is there any solutions for folks? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was saying, you know, if you've got a garnishment, you come and see a trustee and yeah, you'll come and see a trustee explain the situation for the trustee to actually stop the garnishment. Uh, you got to essentially work with the trustee to restructure your debt through either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. And for the majority of people, over two thirds, sometimes as much as three quarters of the people that we see, they're successfully able to file a consumer proposal and not have to file a bankruptcy at all. And the way a consumer proposal works, just in a nutshell here, is it consolidates all of your debts, 
puts them together into a single payment, and that payment is based on your income. It's based on what you can afford, and it's usually a whole lot less than the full amount. Usually it's maybe 30 cents on the dollar, 25 cents, 35 cents, something like that, but it's often a big discount on the total amount payable. So sometimes people come into our office just feeling, um, you know, the worst day of their lives, their wages are getting garnished, and they walk out knowing, okay, we can stop the garnished by their next payday, we can put them on a payment plan that was a whole lot less than what they were paying before, um, and a consumer proposal by law can't extend any further than five years. So this is not the never-never plan, the decades you'll be in debt plan, this is inside of five years, you'll be back to owing nobody anything, and you're going to get your wages back, you know, essentially as soon as you sign the proposal documents, then you're protected. So absolutely, there's solutions to everything, but you've got to reach out and get the help right away. Before we get to the next common debt problem, if you already know or you or you sort of resonate with this information that we've given you so far and you need some help and some advice and some guidance, Sands & Associates, easy to get a hold of, their number 1-800-661-3030 or visit the website at sands-trustee.com. So um, what's the next most common debt problem uh, that you might be able to help somebody better understand? Or you will be able to help them better understand, I should say. Yeah, well, one common one that, that we hear is sometimes people say, you know, I've got all these old unpaid debts. And, you know, can they still come after me? Can they still collect from me? I've heard something about a statute of limitations. Um, does that apply? And I, I did a ton of research about this because I was quite surprised um, that it really wasn't commonly known that there is a statute of limitations on debt in the province of BC. So looking back about two or three years ago, ourselves at Sands and Associates, you know, we wrote a very detailed blog post about statute of limitations in BC, and it's now the number one ranked Google page. If you type in, you know, BC statute of limitations, um, you know, rules around debt, you'll generally be, be redirected to our blog post because there's a lot of stuff that people need to know that's just not widely made available to them because I think, well, I think, I guess I'm a bit of, uh, of a conspiracist here, that probably creditors don't want people to know that there is a statute of limitations on debts. And what that means is that there's a two-year period after the date that a debt was incurred or the date the last payment was made against it or the last time that you gave a written acknowledgement of the debt, if two years go by from any of those things happening, so if you incurred the debt, you stopped making payments, and then two years later, um, the creditor pops up and says, you know, we're going to take you to court, we're going to force you to pay. If there's been a two-year period since the last activity, the BC statute of limitations actually prohibits that creditor from taking any legal action against you. So it means they could not take you to court, they couldn't seize your wages, couldn't seize your assets, and a lot of people are shocked to hear that it's only as short as two years. A lot of people think, you know, it's six years or 10 or 20 years or there is no limitation period, but it actually is just a two-year period. So sometimes we have people who are in our offices, they've got a lot of debt, you know, might be 10 or 15 years old, and we can explain to them, you know, there is a statute of limitations. Now, it doesn't solve all of your problems because it doesn't mean that you don't owe this money anymore, and it doesn't prevent them from calling you, from sending you letters, from demanding payments, but it does mean that legally you don't have any risk that you're ever going to be forced to pay this debt. 
Blair, and I know that I know there's a, a quite a good section here that you wanted to talk about concerning vehicles, but boy, oh boy, mm -hmm. I'd really love to focus on the solutions because I, I think this is the this is sort of the light at the end of a dark tunnel for folks if they're sitting. Oh my gosh, I'm, I fit all this criteria. What do I do now? So can we go about uh, to the the how how you can consolidate with bad debt? How can I apply to have debt written off and forgiven? Because uh, this mm -hmm. is really the the light for folks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great way for us to, to finish up in our last minute or so. A lot of people, they look at the debt consolidation as, you know, the number one option for them that's going to help them out by putting all their debts together and saving on some of the interest. But a lot of people find they're not able to get approved for debt consolidation unless they're getting a co-signer or pledging some assets. So what the better solution in a lot of situations is to investigate a consumer proposal. And a consumer proposal is going to give you all the benefits of a consolidation, but with some big differences, meaning zero interest, not a reduced interest, literally zero, no need to borrow any money, no need to ever get a co-signer involved, and a consumer proposal is actually going to reduce the debt to what you can afford. So quite often, 30 to 50% payment is all that's going to get uh, repaid, and all the fees, all the costs, everything is included inside of that repayment. So I always say it's the best debt solution you might have never heard of, and any of these warning signs that we've talked about, a consumer proposal could face them head on. I just want to throw into your website. You talked about your blog. Your website is just just filled with such good information, good questions, good answers, easy to understand, great place for folks to start. And book your free confidential debt consultation. Here's the phone number again, 1-800-661-3030 or visit sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. This segment's all about understanding your credit report, the why, when, and how to check it. And I tell you, Blair, when we first started working together and you talked about a credit report, my eyes kind of glazed over, <laughs> not in front of you, but in the back of my head, it's like, oh, yikes, what's a credit ro report all about? And so, And I know I'm not alone in this. Um, and there's some basics that we should all know about consumer credit reports and our and our scores. Uh, that's why you're going to explain the ins and outs of these reports and scores. So, Blair, Will you start by explaining what a person's credit score is and how it's calculated here in this country? Because I'm assuming that it's different in the United States, for example. Yeah, it's different in this country, Elaine. It's also different from every lender and every credit bureau. So the idea that there's just one credit score and that's the gospel truth, well, that just doesn't exist. So I'm really happy to have the chance to talk about the topic today. And I do recall, um, Elaine, I think our first conversation about credit ratings, I think I used the word algorithm way too many times. So I'm going to try to refrain from doing that. <laughs> that just means a means of how they add up their numbers. But anyway, we'll try to keep, keep it as, as accessible as possible. So what is your credit score? Well, your credit score, it's a numerical rating. It ranges from a low of around 300 points uh, to a high of 900 points, obviously 900 being on the best side there. And credit scores are calculated based on information in your credit report. And they essentially assign a grade to you on how well you use your credit with the objective of helping your lenders decide whether they're going to extend your credit, how risky it's going to be for them to extend your credit, and under what terms, such as the interest rate or the overall cost uh, by which the credit might be offered 
offered to you. So what helps your credit score is you gain points with actions that demonstrate responsible credit use. The most responsible thing you can do with your credit is to make your full payments on time each month. And you can lose points by actions that indicate unstable or risky credit use, like making your payments late or having an account go to collections. Uh, because your credit history is always being updated, your credit score is going to change over time. And you know, in some cases, it can take anywhere from 30 to 90 days for something that say happened today, like a missed payment to actually be reflected on your credit score. So it's not, you know, a complete one to one immediate relation. Now, what your credit report is, so there's a credit score, which is your numerical score, and it's based on your credit report. A credit report is essentially a recap of all of your credit history, and it has personal and financial information about you. Your credit report is held by one of two, or actually both these days, credit bureaus in Canada, which are Equifax and TransUnion. It's created when you borrow money for the first time, and then lenders continually send information about your accounts to at least one of the two bureaus. Um, as I mentioned, Equifax and TransUnion. And what a lot of people don't know is they think there's some government body that oversees, you know, credit reporting and makes sure everything is done with integrity and data protection. These are two private companies. They're not government bodies. And there have been data breaches in recent years in some of the biggest credit, uh, credit reporting agencies around the world, including in Canada. So definitely, if you have the sense that there's someone, you know, in the government that's overseeing this whole thing, no, it's, it's a private company system. It's made to serve the banks. Uh, What's also interesting um, is that your credit score can be completely different depending on which credit bureau you're checking and then also which lender you're working with because each credit bureau is going to have their own means of putting all the numbers together to getting you your own credit score. And then what also happens is each lender is going to have their own means as well. So if you're thinking you're going to chase a certain numerical credit score, you know, monitor it online every month, um, that's an errand that's not going to yield you any joy because you have no idea how the individual bureau and especially how the lender that you're going to apply to is actually going to calculate that score. So my advice is don't chase a numerical number, but focus on the really good behaviors that are going to just help that number increase from wherever it is. Now, I just want to throw the, the point in here, Blair, that if, if your eyes are glazing over and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I've been in this situation and that situation, and now I'm not sure, and I think it's really bad, and what can I do, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you're still open, uh, completely open for folks to give Sands and Associates a call to help figure that out because there may be some other things going on there too, which could be of benefit for you to figure out. So I just want to mention the phone number at this point, 1-800-661-3030 uh, to talk to somebody at Sands and Associates. And the website is also terrific. It's a great, a great site filled with good information, sands-trustee.com. So can we talk about, mm, I don't know, how often we should look at the report? I mean, is it something that we should obsess about or, or not obsess about? Well, you know, definitely not something to obsess about and just understanding the background here that this is not a metric that's directed to the consumer. Um, you know, essentially, you are the product, you're not the person this is made for. This is made for the banks, it's made for the banks to assess customer profitability and risk. So the idea of chasing some metric that's really not for you and doesn't always mean that you're doing that well financially. Um, you know, I have a lot of folks where we have that discussion, and we sit down and we say, you know, you've got great credit right now, but no one's willing to loan you any money. Well, 
because you got a bunch of other debt. So that great credit rating, you know, if you've been chasing that forever, it's not providing you the benefits that you thought. But in terms of how often you should actually check your credit report, you know, my recommendation would be at least once a year, um, probably every six months. I, I tend to recommend a little bit more highly, especially if you're thinking about making a major purchase over the next number of years, because if you do find errors on your credit report, it's not an instant thing to get them corrected. They will get corrected over time, but it can take a little bit of time. And the time to do that is not when you're sitting with the mortgage broker ready to sign off on new financing. So you definitely want to stay ahead of the curve and make sure you know exactly what's on your credit report. And when you do pull your credit report, you know, here's some of the information that you're going to see there. Uh, it's going to summarize all the information about your credit accounts, how you use them, all your payment history. Uh, it might include things like any credit checks that you've done in the last three years. So if you go and apply for credit for the next three years, someone that pulls a credit report will see those applications. Um, they're going to show when you open the account, how much you owe, and if you've exceeded your credit limit. Do you make your payments on time? Have you missed payments? Have you had NSF payments or have they gone to collections? Have you had to restructure the debts? Are there any registered liens or judgment against you? Um, and then do you have any consumer statements that you've put on there? So sometimes people put on a statement to explain circumstances. They're disputing a debt or explaining why there's a bad story on there, that it's not all what's, what's shown on the paper. And sometimes there's fraud alerts or identity verification alerts. So some people's credit report will be just a couple of pages. Some will run to 15, 20 pages or more. And for each account that you have, it's essentially just going to be a record of how dependable, how reliable reliable, essentially how profitable you've been as a consumer for each of those reports. And each individual account that you have, it's going to be scored. Uh, the most common score is going to start with an R and that's for revolving credit like a credit card. And R1 means that you've never missed a payment. You're great. Um, R9 means that you've skipped the country or you filed a bankruptcy. Um, you know, they're not able to get their money back. So the closer you are to R1, that just means you're on the right side of the creditors from, from their perspective. Okay. And um, there's going to be personal information that folks are going to see, and that's not something you should worry about, right? Well, you want to make sure that it's accurate. So there'll be things like your name, okay. date of birth, your addresses, social insurance numbers, driver's license, and things like that. So you definitely want to eyeball that each time you get the report just to make sure that your information hasn't been merged with someone else. Um, again, I, I've told it in the past, sometimes I pull my credit report and I'm amazed to find addresses I've never lived at. And there's not that many Blair Mantons in this world, but I think there's sometimes maybe a Martin <laughs> or there's some typo that, that happens. So, you know, I've definitely seen it and I've certainly seen it with clients where there are inaccuracies on their credit report. Uh, if you do find errors, it's an obligation of the Bureau to correct those errors, but you have to go through a process. There's an investigation process. You have to provide a little bit of documentation, and then eventually anything that's not correct will definitely get corrected on that report. Excellent. I'm glad you mentioned that because, yeah, the smallest of spelling mistakes could affect something if somebody's then going back to look at your report if you're wanting to get credit or money or, or whatever. That makes that's really good sense. Um, anything else that's super important for consumers to know about their credit report and score, Blair? Yeah, I think one of the most common things I get asked is, okay, I, I'm missing payments or something's went a little bit bad. You know, when is that going to clear off my credit? You know, mm -hmm. when is the negative information going to go? And one thing to, to be aware of is negative information does expire. It's not going to be there forever. If you missed a payment today, 20 years from now, they're not going to have that on your report, but it is going to be there for what can be an extended period of time. So any late payments or NSF payments will both show for up to six years from the date reported. And this is even the case if you paid the past due 
due balance, paid all the penalties the next month, it was just an oversight, that is going to be noted there for six years. If there's any collection accounts or any judgments from court actions, um, they're going to show for six years as well. Uh, this one surprises people a little bit, um, but bankruptcy is another thing that even if you had to file bankruptcy to deal with all the debts, discharge them fully, that's also released six years after the bankruptcy is concluded. So it's not there for the rest of your life. It's not 10 or 20 years. It is just six years. And if you restructured your debts through either a consumer proposal um, or even seeing a credit counselor, you know, that might be off your record as soon as a year or two after you finish those payments. So anytime where you're worried, you know, I've got something bad on my credit, you know, does this mean I'm financially untouchable for the rest of my life? The answer is a resounding no. You can recover from any negative stories that might be on your credit. Uh, and what's wonderful for me to see is just the transformation. Once we deal with the debt, if people really focus on having good credit behaviors, they can rebuild a very solid credit rating as little as two years after even a personal bankruptcy. And, you know, the key hallmarks of things that you're going to do to rebuild your credit really solidly, uh, just it makes good financial sense. You're going to make your payments in full and on time. If you can't pay the full balance off, you're going to always make the minimum payments required. You contact your creditor right away if there's any hiccups because sometimes they'll agree not to report something if you've been in touch. And then what's also an important metric that doesn't get talked about enough, I think, but is the idea of credit utilization. So you want to keep yourself to a maximum of 50% of your credit limit every time that a statement is put out. So if you've got a $2,000 limit on a card, I'd recommend you don't ever charge more than $1,000 to it. And it's even better if you can keep it to under a third because as soon as creditors start to see, well, you're bumping up to 70, 80% of your credit limit, even if it's paid off that same month, that can be a warning sign that can definitely uh, cause your credit report and your credit rating uh, to suffer a little bit. That's so interesting because credit card companies are often wanting you to increase or giving you the opportunity to increase the amount of credit you can have with them. Yeah. And obviously they want you to, to incur it. And, you know, sometimes it can make sense that, okay, if you ask for the increase in limit and then you just never spend that much money, it actually helps you because now your credit utilization is lower than it would have otherwise been. Um, I think, you know, one final thought to leave our listeners with is there really are no quick fixes. So if you ever mm -hmm. hear of something like instant credit repair or overnight, you know, we'll take you from zero to hero. That is impossible. It just doesn't exist. Anything that you do, it took time to get to that situation. It's going to take probably less time to get you out of it but it's not going to be instant and it is a case of buyer beware. Excellent. And you know, the, the thing is about Sands and Associates and, and just the, I'm leaving you with this idea on this segment is that you can move on virtually after any misstep. And it's about the help you get and the support you get and the connection you get with folks who actually know what they're doing. And that's what I'm saying that Sands and Associates offers you, not just Blair, but the, all the teams of people at the offices all over British Columbia. Um, I want to suggest too, if you want to give them a call at the number is one 800 661 30 to get that first free consultation and sit down with somebody or Zoom with somebody, virtually sit down with them. Uh, and the website is sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. We're going to talk about building credit history after a consumer proposal or you filed for personal bankruptcy. We're going to learn about establishing a positive credit history and score after that financial fresh start that we've learned so much about, as well as reset uh, 
after a consumer proposal or bankruptcy. So if you're considering debt management options but worried about long-term or even permanent damage to your credit history, Blair Manton's going to tell us all about it and explain the impact of common debt resolution options and the steps that we can take to build a credit history. So Blair, before we dig into the tips on how folks can build up their credit score after debt, Can you give us a bit of information on how credit history and a credit score work if we don't know already? Well, certainly, Elaine. And this is something that just about everyone that I speak to when they're talking about their debt, they're always concerned, well, what's the impact of my, on my credit score, on my credit history? And we've been really conditioned to look at this as a great indicator of our financial health and quite often, financial health. And quite often, it's not indicating that you're financially healthy. It's just indicating that you're quite a profitable consumer for the bank. So what we need to understand with credit scores and credit history is that they were originally designed not as something that would be consumer facing, not as a number that you're going to chase or even know about. They were designed by the bank so that they can segment their customers and know which customers are essentially paying the highest interest charges, paying their debts back, you know, on a reliable basis or not, and then the bank can make better decisions. But what's interesting is sometimes the things that are best for you personally, best for your cash flow and your budget are actually bad for your credit score. And sometimes what's great for your bank and your credit score is not really that good for your personal finances. We're going to talk a little bit about that as we get further into the topic. But in terms of just some general information, so your credit score, it's a numerical value, and it typically ranges from a low of about 300 to a high of 900. So if you've heard people say, hey, my credit's 800, well, yeah, that's definitely pretty good. You generally don't hear people saying, hey, my credit's 350. If they know that, they're generally not talking too much about it. Uh, But what's interesting, too, is that actual credit score, you're never going to know exactly what it is because it's calculated at a point in time by each lender specifically using all of their different methods of putting a bunch of information together. So when you go online, you say, you know, get your free credit score or pay a little bit for a credit score, you're getting something that, you know, might be directionally accurate, but it could be off by, you know, a number of points, a significant number of points, if the lender that you're actually looking to borrow from uses the the math in a different way. Uh, What your banks and lenders do, along with the credit score, um, is they also look at a credit report. And a credit report is essentially a record of your credit history. So it includes your personal information, details about each debt, how long you've had the accounts, uh, what's the balance, and what's the payment history. And what folks, I think, are generally aware of, but, but your credit score and your credit history, they can change every single month because typically every month, that's when your lenders, like a credit card company or you know contracts that you have, like a cell phone, uh, they're reporting either positive payments or delinquent payments. Also, new accounts opened, old accounts canceled, or even if people have made inquiries, if you're shopping around with different lenders and they're checking your credit score, that's also noted on your credit report. So to find out your credit score, again, I've said it, it's, you can just basically get a directional indication. Um, you can do that with either of the two large credit bureaus of Equifax or TransUnion. That's also where you can get your credit report, which you know can often run at least a few pages, sometimes 10, even 20 pages. And that's going to be you know the long-term record um, of your history of use of credit. 
So, and I want to throw in here the idea that if you've already been listening to Blair and, and us talk about credit history and credit score and you've still got debt and you don't know what to do and you already know that you need to do something, the very best thing you can do is get a hold of Sands and Associates and talk to them about your situation and see if there isn't something that you can do proactively or if you need to step back and take action, whatever avenue it is, give them a call if you're unsure about next steps. Uh, it's easy. The number is 1-800-661-3030 or check their website at sands-trustee.com. So consumer proposals, personal bankruptcy, Blair, something we always talk about. What's the? Can you explain what the impact of something like a proposal, consumer proposal, or bankruptcy does to a credit history and the person's ability to borrow? I guess we're talking about after debt. Uh, what, what kind of impact that has? Well, I think that's a huge insight that I'd like people to, to hopefully take away is that nothing is permanent when it comes to your credit score. So everything does transition, you know, even a, a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy, they're not going to be there for the rest of your life. So when I see sometimes financial experts in the media say, you know, bankruptcy is lifelong consequences, well, it, bankruptcy disappears off your credit six years after you finished it. So most people, they finish a bankruptcy in nine months six years after that, it's like it never happened. It's not showing up on any credit bureaus. Um, and most of the time, people can rebuild their credit much sooner than the time it takes for a bankruptcy to drop off of, of a credit report. Quite often, people can get get new mortgages established, have credit cards, um, you know, finance vehicles in as little as two to three years after they've restructured their debts. So when you sit down with someone, you say, you know, if you keep doing what you're doing, we'll be paying this debt off for 30 years. Your credit might look great. Um, if we file either a bankruptcy or a proposal, deal with the debt much more quickly, and then you focus on rebuilding your credit, it's often just two to three years of credit rebuilding is all that it's going to take to get you back to probably a better credit score or credit rating than you had before. So as I mentioned, a, a personal bankruptcy, it's going to drop off your credit report six years after it's finished. A consumer proposal, which we talk about a ton and just very quickly, that's where you consolidate all of your debt together. You freeze all the interest charges and you pay back what you can afford to repay. It's usually a lot less than the full amount. It's often, you know, 20 to 30 cents on the dollar. Um, that type of a proposal drops off the earlier of six years from the day that you sign it or three years from when it's paid off. So a lot of proposals are over a five-year term. So by the time you finish paying your proposal, literally 12 months after that, it's gone off your bureau like it never happened. Um, and you can, again, start rebuilding your credit at any point during those proceedings. You don't need to wait until either a bankruptcy or a proposal has disappeared from your credit report. Can we talk a little bit about, and, and this is really something that we've got sort of scheduled for the end, closer to the end of this segment, but how can somebody, a, just a regular consumer, get to the point of understanding what the best debt approach is for their situation? Because there are more than just a consumer proposal or bankruptcy. There's all kinds of different things that you can do, one can do. Uh, of course, we talk about the consumer proposal and bankruptcy as, as two of one of the, well, the, the better of all the options for so many reasons. But is there ways for some somebody to really understand the best debt approach to take. 
Yeah, the, you know, the best way, Elaine, is just to reach out for help even well before you think your situation is dire. So we have just a ton of meetings these days with folks who just need a little bit of coaching, a little few questions answered to understand, you know, what they're facing and what their options are. So when you reach out to somebody like Sanson Associates, we're going to help you assess your current situation, understand your goals, and then address your questions and concerns. And it's often the case that people have, you know, fragments of information that have kind of held in their in their mind, and they're not always correct. Uh, and sometimes they're basing, um, you know, some of their bigger financial decisions in life, things like not dealing with their debt because they're worried they'll never be able to get a mortgage if they ever file a bankruptcy. And as soon as we can dispel some of those myths, you know, people tend to, to feel a whole lot better. So anytime you sit down with Sands and Associates, it's a free confidential meeting. We'll talk through all of the options. And if you do decide to restructure your debts, we take you through some very detailed financial counseling. Well, we've got YouTube videos that talk about how to rebuild your credit. We've got a whole five-step plan to get you there. But what I want people to take away is that essentially nothing is a life sentence when it comes to a credit rating. And preserving a high credit rating at the expense of not paying off your debt is never a good financial strategy to follow. It's much better uh, oftentimes to take the hit in the short term, restructure the debts, and you can rebuild far quickly than probably you thought possible. And uh, something that Sands and Associates offers, it's not just the data and the information and the forms and the documents, but also there's some very specific counseling that accompanies uh, this process. Yeah, there, there's two two counseling sessions that folks have to sit down with us for, and generally I say have to, but it's a huge benefit. People get a lot of value out of it. And during the second one, we talk about exactly how you're going to rebuild your credit, so everything from making sure your proceeding is finished up to date, making sure the report is accurate. We talk to you about getting new credit, as weird as that sounds. We don't want to encourage people to go further into debt, but if you want to rebuild your credit bureau, you do have some good steps to follow to get new credit. We take you through all of that when you sit down with us. If you're wanting more information, very easy to do. Give Sands and Associates a phone call, 1-800-661-3030, and get that first appointment and sit down and talk about your situation. Or you can also check out their website, sands-trustee.com. Lots of good information there, and you can still make an appointment through there. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. This segment... It's, um, I don't know, I know somebody who went through bankruptcy, so I, I know it's a bit of a challenge for sure, and um, it's always interesting to be on the other side of it and to watch people be on the other side of it. So that's what we're going to talk about. What happens after doing a personal bankruptcy? Uh, that fresh start, that financial fresh start that Blair talks about all the time, and certainly something that a personal bankruptcy can bring about uh, starting anew. So, Blair, can you talk about how personal bankruptcy works to provide that fresh start for folks from unmanageable debt and what to expect after it's over? Well, certainly, Elaine. And obviously, the decision to file for bankruptcy, it's an emotionally fraught decision. You know, you're not in my office because you're having the best day of your life. Um, you know, a lot of the times people would choose anywhere else they could they could possibly be rather than sitting with a licensed insolvency trustee. And a lot of people come, you know, with a lot of stress and anxiety, just coming to the decision to reach out for debt help. And they have certain conceptions of what they think a bankruptcy or a legal solution will mean. And quite often, they think this is a permanent sentence. They think this is, you know, for the rest 
rest of their life. This decision is going to follow them around, you know, with the scarlet letter type of thing. And what I want people to understand is that bankruptcy is not a permanent remedy. It's a permanent remedy in terms of the debt gets gets left behind, but it's not a permanent detrimental mark against you. It's something you can recover from. And it's a debt remedy that's available to any Canadian or any person in Canada who finds themselves in a situation where they're just not able to pay their debt. The wording in the law is bankruptcy is for the honest but unfortunate individual that needs their help to restructure um, under the supervision of a licensed insolvency trustee. So when you file for bankruptcy, you get legal protection from your creditors. And by completing a bankruptcy, you get debt forgiveness that leaves all of that debt behind and you get to move forward unburdened by that debt. Um, the advantage to bankruptcy is it's often the quickest and the least expensive means of restructuring your debt compared to other options that exist. And it, bankruptcy can make a whole lot of sense in situations where someone's income is relatively low or it's uncertain, so they can't commit to a consumer proposal repayment plan because they just don't have that ability to predict their income or have some space in their budget. Or the debts might be so significant that even repaying as little as 15 or 20 cents on the dollar, that just might not be affordable. You know, bankruptcy is never the first option, but it's once you've evaluated all of the options and see how they've applied to your unique situation, um, you know, bankruptcy is still a remedy. It's a last resort, but it is a resort that will help you restructure. And it's not going to be the permanent mark against you that a lot of people fear. And I know that you've talked before about there are some beneficial outcomes to personal bankruptcy. And I think it's really important to talk about those, too. And it will kind of quiet down the big fears and the big concerns because there are just a ton of benefits to it at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, the, the number one, and this makes a whole lot of sense, you get full forgiveness for almost all types of debt. So including credit cards, overdrafts, bank loans, taxes, Canada Revenue Agency debts, CERB overpayments, student loans, payday loans, you know, the list just goes on and on. The almost that can't be included are, you know, basic things like child support, spousal support, things that no one want to compromise anyway, but just about every standard consumer debt can be included and discharged or eliminated as part of a personal bankruptcy proceeding. Uh, another benefit to bankruptcy is it removes those unaffordable debt repayments from your monthly budget. So if there's a bunch of creditors that all want their minimum payments and will call and scream like crazy if they don't get it, when you file into bankruptcy, you do have to make a payment to the trustee, but typically it's far less than what you would have been required to pay to service all of the various debts that you're dealing with. And a little bit counterintuitive because some people think if you go into bankruptcy, your assets get seized, but the vast majority of people keep every single asset they have. Um, but bankruptcy actually puts you in a better position to protect your assets because if you're in a bankruptcy, you can no longer be sued. Nobody can take legal action against you uh, and you get the protection of provincial exemptions that protect everything from your pension, your RRSPs, your furniture, your vehicle even your home equity. So very counterintuitive, but sometimes the best way to protect some assets is actually to go through a, a bankruptcy proceeding to put all the creditors at bay, and you can still emerge depending on the asset uh, with that asset still in your possession. And getting rid of that stress must be just an absolute gift. 
That's the life-changing part of it. So obviously the financial is one thing, but what's so incredibly gratifying to me and I know to my colleagues as well, is just seeing the transformation from the first meeting, whether it's on video or in person these days, you know, you can just read the body language and any human seeing another human in pain, you could recognize those signs. And then we see them for a first counseling session a couple months in, or, you know, we have a periodic phone call to check in. Then when they're ready for discharge, it's my gosh, some people, it seems like they've, they've grown three or four inches in their height and they're smile is that much wider. Their energy is just palpable to see, you know, the amount of people who have said, you know, we really thank you for giving us our life back. And, you know, it, it's not us, obviously they had to do the work. We're just the, you know, the people that facilitate that, but it's just a matter of giving people the information so they know this is an option and, you know, the outcome is just absolutely transformative. Uh, the phone number for Sands and Associates, they have offices all over British Columbia is 1-800-661- 3030 and the website is sands-trustee.com. So can we talk about how the actual process usually works for folks, how a bankruptcy process works for folks, Blair? Yeah, sure. And relatively quickly. So for most people, bankruptcy, it's a nine month process. So from the time you sign the documents to when all that debt is left behind and you're moving forward, that can be as little as nine months. The major steps that you're going to complete is you're going to have an initial consultation uh, with a licensed insolvency trustee. They're going to work with you to gather all of your financial information and then prepare the official bankruptcy documents for you to sign. Um, all that can happen in the matter of a few days, or it can be as long as the person needs to get their information and feel comfortable about the decision. As soon as those documents are signed, they're filed with the government immediately. And from that moment, you have protection from your creditors and the nine month term of bankruptcy is then underway. Uh, during those nine months, instead of paying your debts, you have some duties to the trustee instead. So three major things that you have to do, and none of them are hugely difficult, but they are a little bit of work on a monthly basis. Uh, so the first one is you have to attend two private financial counseling sessions. So they're one-on-one -on -one sessions typically done either on video or in our offices, talking about your financial goals, um, your plans for the future, how to budget, how to save money, really giving you some good grounding on how you can rebuild your credit after all of this. You have to attend both of those to finish the bankruptcy and people are only too happy to attend counseling and really get some good insights. So that's a really good part of the process. Uh, probably the most um, detailed work that you have to do is you have to keep a monthly budget for every month that you're in bankruptcy. So there's a one-page form for the nine months of bankruptcy for every month month, you're going to start at the top, talk about your income, and then you're going to write down where you spent your money each month with the whole idea that you're living within your means, you're no longer able to rely on credit. So it's a good practice to keep the household budget and track your spending. Uh, the last of the three things um, is you just have to make some payments to the trustee. So if someone is low income, which is most of the situations we deal with these days, uh, the bankruptcy runs for nine months and their payments are usually in the range of two to $300 per month. Uh, and the, the final things with the bankruptcy, you generally do just without even thinking about it. You know, we'll ask you for your tax information. You know, you send that through to us. So we can file the taxes for the year of the bankruptcy. But otherwise, it's relatively straightforward. You do the counseling, you do the budgets, you make sure money's in the account each month for the bankruptcy fee. And at the end of nine months, you could be achieving a fresh financial start. Now, and I, we just got about a minute left in this segment. Um, what, what about the, uh, the impact that bankruptcy has on credit, credit history? 
Yeah, so bankruptcy is not permanently on your credit report, but it is on there for six years after you finish the bankruptcy. So it doesn't mean you're untouchable for those six years, but it does mean you're going to want to do some work to rebuild. We talked to you in the counseling sessions exactly how to rebuild your credit the right way. And a reasonable calendar is as little as two to three years. If you've rebuilt your credit the right way, you could be qualifying for a mortgage at the same rates as anybody who had never went bankrupt before. Car loans are often even sooner than that. Even an unsecured credit card. I have people offered that very shortly after a bankruptcy is complete. So you will recover. It's going to fall off the bureau completely after six years, but really two to three years is a more reasonable calendar to when you can have even superior credit or credit report than when you started. And if you want to learn more about your options to deal with debt and get that debt-free plan that's right for you, sans-trustee.com is the website. 1-800-661-3030 is the phone number. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.